Hi, my name is Turner Houck on Rope Staff. You're listening to Week 4 of Falls Creek Podcast. The speaker for Week 4 was Brian Mills, and we had 4,785 students in attendance. Enjoy. I want to tell you, it's been a, uh, it's been a lot of fun just driving around camp, talking to many of you, meeting many of you. Uh, I love to try to meet every single one of you if it's possible. Coming to some of your cabins, I will say this, some of y'all are eating really well. Like, uh, and, and I know there's, uh, I know there's no calories at Falls Creek, I've been told, uh, but I ate some sugar cookies last night that had some calories in them. I promise you that. Yeah, yeah, those sugar cookies, man, I'm still feeling it. Uh, they were amazing. And all, I mean, it's just, I love walking in your cabins and just let me say, y'all need to tell all of your cooks, thank you. Uh, and uh, if you say, well, our cooks hadn't been that great, just go to the cabin next door because theirs have. And because uh, I've been and it's, it's, it's 100%, I promise you. Uh, so it's pretty exciting. If you got your Bible, open up to 2 Peter chapter 1. You should have already had it there because I told you. We're going to be there every single night this week. Second Peter chapter 1, we're going verse by verse. We're actually going to only talk about two words tonight, but I want to remind you where we're at with Peter. Peter's about to die. Peter is about to be crucified by Nero, and Nero's about to hang him upside down on a cross because of the name of Jesus. This is the last letter that Peter ever wrote. And in the midst of this moment right here, He's pinning it, like I've told you before, to believers. So he's looking at you, saying the divine power lives within you, and because you're saved, you've got some things you need to do. And I showed you a chart last night. Matter of fact, if we can, I want to go ahead and put that chart back up because I want to remind you all the way, if you can, to the sanctification chart, the one line that goes up. If we can, throw that up on the screen because it reminds us that we're adding to our faith. We add to our faith. We add to our faith. And then you say, well, Pastor Brown, what happens when I sin and I'm saved? Like, Peter's getting into this, but what happens when I sin and I'm saved? Sin takes us off track with Christ. Now, I would say this for some of you this week. We can leave that up there for just a moment. Some of you are right there where sin is. It's taken you off track with Christ. You know you're a believer, but you've veered away from your walk with Christ. Now, some of you have never taken the top left corner up there. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus, even though hundreds of you came forward last night. Hundreds of you stayed in your seat, and you're wrestling, and you're working through it. And I just want to say this to you. Uh, Will you open your heart up to what God has for you tonight? The hundreds of you that stayed in your seat. And would you just be open to a move of God in your life tonight and let the, the, the word of the Lord speak into you? But as a believer, when you start the process of sanctification, which is a process of becoming more like Christ, which is a process that Peter taught us last night, how we add to our faith. Sometimes as we're adding to our faith, we veer off and we sin. What happens when you sin? Once you sin, you need to understand the Greek word montaneo. Look at your neighbor and say montaneo. Speak Greek. You're speaking a written language. It's not a spoken language, but it's a written language. It's called Kanoe Greek, and it's, and it's the word montaneo. Montaneo is one of the most encouraging, powerful words for you as a believer. 
This word is the word that can launch you in your walk with Christ to become more like Christ every single day. And it's the word repent. It's repentance. Repentance is literally one of the most powerful, positive words in Scripture. And sometimes you need to be looked at, right? And say, hey, you need to repent. <laughs> now somebody says that to you like, you need to be punching the nose, right? Like, tell me to repent. But it's, it's a word of encouragement. It means you need to change your mind. It means you need to turn around. So what happens? Can we throw that chart real quick back up there? Well, we go all the way up and we get to repentance. When you repent, you get back on track with Christ. And as a result, the next step, you experience the grace and the unfailing love of God along the way. And it's the grace of God, which we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. And what happens when you understand the value of repentance, it will draw you closer to Christ each and every time. So in the process of adding to your faith, some of you might be discouraged from last night. You might say, man, I'm, I've really messed up. I'm jacking up my life. I'm not doing what the Word of God tells me to do. I'm not there. Then, then maybe you need to repent. Turn from your sin and get back on track with Christ. And Peter's trying to tell the church, some of you need to repent. You need to get back on track. And I'm giving you seven plays to do it. And I gave you five of them last night. So we're going to run the last two plays today. And because y'all are big fans of the Big 12, we'll just play offense because y'all don't even have defenses. Amen. Anyways, anyways, see, I'm in the SEC. We know how to play. Anyways, um, 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm sorry. I just had to throw in a little. Y'all know I love a little football and throw it in and have a little fun. Woo pig. Amen. Uh, yeah, praise the Lord. Here we go. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 5 through 7, get the word out and let's read it together. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence that we talked about last night. And in your moral excellence, supply some knowledge and grow on your faith, grow on your understanding of the word. And in your knowledge, self-control. Remember I taught you, I will not. And you've got to have self-control in your life to grow in your faith. You've got to add that. And it's self-control, perseverance, the willingness just to continue on. Even when life doesn't go as you expected, the willingness to continue on and the perseverance, godliness. Just, just go live, go live godly. Just, just go be a godly man and a godly woman. And then it says, and brotherly kindness to godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, add love. And so I want to talk to you about those two very things tonight. And then we'll be done. I first want to talk about the word kindness. Kindness and mercy are used over 300 times in the word of God. This is a word you need to grab a hold of, False Creek. Because we've lost the ability to be kind today. We've lost this idea of kindness. There's no wonder we can't win people to Jesus because we don't act like Jesus. Amen? Well, we don't have the compassion and the love of Jesus, so there's no wonder the world's wondering, are you a Christian? You walk through your hallways at school, and people might wonder, are you even saved because of the way you treat somebody else? And so what's Peter saying? He's saying, add kindness to your life. Can I give you a, th a few things about kindness? I'm going to help you guys out big time. This will, if you want to grow up and be a leader, 
I'm about to teach you some of the greatest leadership principles you can get. And, uh, and it's going to help you. But when it comes to kindness, uh, you know, with kindness, sometimes we just got to say we get to be kind instead of I have to be kind. Because some people are hard to be kind to, are they not? Like there's some people you just don't like. I get it. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't make them a bad person. It just makes them not as cool as you, right? And I just don't like them. And there's people in my life that I just don't like. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to hang with them. Y'all go hang with your circle. I'll hang with my circle. I'll see you in heaven. Amen? And, and, but that doesn't give me a right to not be kind. And there's people I, I, get, I get by on the highway, right, that I'll cut off. And they'll tell me I'm number one. That's how they tell me I'm kind, right? They're showing kindness to me. I get that all the time. People on the streets really show me kindness. And it just happens. Or somebody walks in front of you and cuts in line. And, and, and what do you, you can show kind. Hey, I wanted you to cut in front of me. I was saving this spot for you. Right? Why not do that? Kindness changes everything. Here's the first thing I'll give you. It says, kindness wins favor. We need to win the favor of the world so that we can win the world to Jesus. Kindness wins favor. You know how you start by getting kind? You start by serving people. When you serve people, you're kind to people. When you're kind to people, you win favor. When you win favor, you win influence. And when you get influence, you gain leadership because leadership is not position, it is influence. So Peter's teaching the church, here's how you become leaders, you become kind. And how do you be kind? You serve people. And when kindness, through kindness, you will gain great favor. We learn it all through Scripture. Joseph taught it to us when he was in prison. And while he's in prison, he, he interpreted a couple dreams. And he looked at the guys he, in, he interpreted these dreams to, the cupbearer and the baker of the king. This is all the way back in Genesis chapter 40. If you're not familiar with the Word of God, you can go back and read this story deeper a little bit later tonight. I don't have time to get all the way into the depths of it. But Joseph being thrown into prison... He now is standing there and he looks at the cupbearer and the baker and he says, but when all goes well with you, because I've given you this dream, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of prison. He showed kindness to them. They go to the king. The king one day needs a dream interpreted. They remember, oh, there's this guy named Joseph in prison. You ought to bring him in. They showed kindness back to him. He ended up getting out of prison, became number two for Pharaoh. He became the number two in charge. Kindness won him favor. We see it all through Scripture. We see Joshua with the two spies that go to Jericho and they stay in Rahab, the prostitute's house. And in the midst of that, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 12, she says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you'll show kindness to my family because I showed kindness to you. And what happens? That he wipes out all the land, saves her, and in the end of the day, she gets put in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She's one of Jesus' relatives. Kindness wins favor. Can I encourage you? Falls Creek, we've got to move to show kindness. I'll tell you something else. Kindness reveals your inner heart. It says who you really are. 
Kindness reveals your inner heart. You even see this about David. David was a man after God's own heart, right? And, and we see, we know that, that David was being chased by Saul. And in 1 Samuel 24, we get this whole picture of King Saul coming after David. And he ends up in this cave. And King Saul's hunting him to kill him. And he goes into the cave, the scripture says, to relieve himself. And while doing so, King our, our David sneaks up behind him, being encouraged to kill him and take over the kingdom. Yet he shows him kindness, cuts off the back of his cloak, and then goes back and then comes out and tells the king, I showed you kindness out of respect today. See, it showed the inner heart of David. It wasn't about gaining a position. It was about being godly. We need to raise the level of godliness. You need to go back home, and you need to be more godly by being more kind, and kindness will show the inner you. I'll tell you about a young man that I got a lot of respect for. He, uh, he was one of the wide receivers for um, the University of Arkansas. Went on, he and his twin brother went on to be with New England Patriots. Uh, he now just signed with the Tennessee Titans. Incredible man. I, I remember his senior day, the last uh, home football game. I'm standing outside. Coach, uh, coach B was our coach at the time. Coach Bielema was our coach at the time. And, he and I would stand outside and all the players would come into chapel and I was about to speak to him and, and Cody comes walking down and he goes in the room and as he goes in the room, Coach B, uh, was he's a pretty emotional guy, just an incredible man. I, I, he, he's just a great friend. I, I deeply uh, love him and his heart and he, he looked and he goes, you know, I'm going to miss that one. So I said, well, Coach, you've coached a lot of incredible players in your life. You sent a lot of people to the NFL. What makes that one so special? He said, because I've never had a player like him. I said, but, but what made him special, coach? Because I know he's a, a, just this insane athlete, and he's very gifted, but you coached some that were just crazy, crazy athletic and, and gifted. He said, yeah, but I've never had one who loved Jesus like him. You know that he loves Jesus. And you know the way he treats people shows who he truly is. Because he walked around and he loved people. And he was kind to people. And as a, as a result, one young man was an impacting a whole football team and a whole coaching staff, which is a big, big deal in that world. All because of his love for Jesus. All because of the way he treated people. You want to win your friends to Christ? You want to win your school to Christ? You want to win your team to Christ? Go back home and just be really nice. You want to win your mom and dad to Christ? Some of you have parents who don't know Jesus. You want to win them to Jesus? Go back and treat them right, huh? How about just as kids, right? You all have attitudes, amen? You're teenagers. Nothing wrong with that. That's the way God gifted it to you. You all got attitudes. Well, your parents would freak out if you all go back home and just treat them nice. Your mama be looking at you like, what got into you? Say, Mama Jesus. Jesus got into me. Well, baby, I thought you were already saved. Yeah, but now I'm starting to live like it, amen? Just kindness shows our inner heart. Um, it defeats hatred. Kindness, uh, it says this in Proverbs 25, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. 
If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Can I, can I brag on my boy down here? I don't always brag on my boy, but, but I love my son Parker. And, and I'll tell you something he did the other day. My daughter told me about it. McKenna, she's going into the ninth grade. Uh, she's going to be a high school student. Um, and, uh, and she goes, Dad, you'd be so proud of Parker the other day. And I said, what did Parker do? She goes, well, he did something at school. When they, you never know what your kids do at school, right? Parents are like, you hear, your son did something at school that you need to know about. You're like, oh, no. Like, and it's your son. You know, anytime a boy does something and you're like, what the boy do? Because boys are just boys, right, boys? Like, like you're just dudes. And dudes are awesome and y'all are cool, but you're still dudes. And some of you need to put on deodorant. Anyway, that's, that's another subject. Um, but, but my son the other day, my, my daughter called him over to her, all the eighth graders, and calls him over to the table and, and, and asked him, hey, Parker, do you know who that kid is over there? Well, there was a young man sitting all by himself at a table at their school. And uh, my boy said he knew who he was. And they said, we just noticed he's sitting all by himself. So my son walks back to his table. And all my daughter's friends were like, we thought he was just ignoring this kid. Like, we were like, rude. And he goes back to his table, picks up his tray from his lunch, carries it over and just sets with that kid that's sitting all by himself. And every eighth grade girl at that school sitting there with my daughter was like, oh, your brother uh, McKenna. Oh, like, oh, he's just, oh, right? He had more girlfriends that day he'll ever have in his life, amen? And uh, it was a big moment. Um, he, he just had an attitude of kindness. And uh, may we always have that attitude. May we always simply have an attitude that just loves people, that just shows kindness to people. Listen to me, listen to me. It'll change everything. Add kindness to your life. Let me give you the last play. The last play we've got to run in this before we continue on. We're going to continue on the next two nights, but... Uh, in Second Peter chapter 1, but this are the seven plays that he gives us. And the last play that he gives us is love. He tells us kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Because love is the, the last trait. Love is the last one. Everything follows and chases after love. When it comes to love, you take the 600 laws of the Old Testament. All the laws, that, that it's called the Mosaic Law or the Levitical Law. All the laws that everybody had to follow. Jesus unpacked them all and said there's one word that stands above all of them. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? The disciples asked and the people asked in Matthew chapter 22. Teacher, what, what is the greatest commandment of all the laws that we've got to follow in the Jewish community? What is all out of all of them? What's the one? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Second thing, the first was to love the Lord your God. The second was to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Is love. Love and love alone. How do you love people? How do you recognize the love of people? Listen, love changes everything. I'll tell you one deep thing about love. Love has no conditions. You know, you, you get a love, there's, there's three different types of love in Scripture. But the love with no conditions is an agape love. And here's what I know about love. Like, we've diluted love today, have we not? Like, like we can say, I love you one moment and I hate you the next moment. Like, you, you, can, you can be in a relationship and you can say, oh, I love them. And then they didn't text you back and you're like, oh, I hate them. Oh, uh-uh. Right? Like, I love them one moment, I hate them the next moment. If that's you, you don't understand love. We've diluted it. Well, we can go through and we can divorce love at any moment of any time at any day. That's how we treat this idea of love. Well, love can be so empty today. But we've got a love that has no conditions do to others as you would have them do under you uh, Luke 6 31 that we begin to understand this idea of love love sacrifices we learn it 30 times in the book of Revelation that that you have this sacrificial unconditional love it's the same kind of love Jesus gave us you know I, I was reading a book one time by a guy named Max Licato and uh, Max Licato wrote a book uh, about uh, the cross. It's called The Cross. This was many, many years ago that I read this book. And he told a story about a girl named Madeline in the book. And Madeline was a young lady who, as a teenager or as a kid, all the way up to the beginning ages of her teenage years, her and her dad, on Christmas Eve, every Christmas Eve, would do like this dance that they did. Every Christmas Eve, they would dance together. And all the way up till her junior year of high school. Her junior year of high school, she fell in love with a boy that her dad did not approve of. And this boy began to pull her down. And this boy began to pull her away. And this boy began to ask her to do things that she should never be doing and talking to her about things that she should never be talking about. Her senior year, the young boy uh, in the fall of her senior year, the young boy convinced her to run away from home and to move to Vegas with him. So before that Christmas Eve that she got to dance with her dad her senior year, the last year that she was going to be in the home, she leaves and goes to Vegas. While she's in Vegas, in the midst of the time, about six months later, uh, Lakato speaks of in his book, the young lady, this man, leaves her and leaves her with nothing. She's vacant. She's empty. She's heartbroken. She's ashamed. She's got too much pride to go back home, and she's got too much shame to go back home. 
And so she begins to run from it. As she begins to run, she didn't know what to do. So she goes to work in a club that she should have never been working in. And in the midst of working in that club, her dad found out where she was and started writing her a note every single month. And, and every single month, she received a note. And every single month, she would take that note and she would just throw it to the side because she couldn't, she couldn't get, bring herself to read it. And every single month, she gets a note that she just wouldn't even read. day to her dad realizing that she wasn't reading the notes it was two years post to her running away it was a month of December and he says I'm going to drive and I'm going to go hand deliver her note he gets to her place of employment he goes to the back and he asks some of the girls in the place where she was working is there a girl named Madeline here and they said yes sir he said well I've got a letter for her. Would you tell her her dad stopped by and just hand-delivered a letter? So that young lady ran out to the floor and pulled Madeline aside and handed her that letter and said, your dad just came. Madeline began to weep. She runs out to the parking lot looking for her father with a letter in hand. Her dad had already left. And she begins to open the letter and she reads the letter and the letter was very very simply read it said Madeline I love you would you come home and dance with me again Madeline began to weep a few days go by and she realizes I'm going to go back home and it's Christmas Eve and there's a knock on the door family was done eating the uncle answered the door he opens the door and there's Madeline weeping the uncle walks to the kitchen looks at her dad and says there's somebody at the door to see you he walks around through the living room and he turns and through the front door and there's his daughter and he begins to weep and she begins to weep just stands there and he looks at her and he just motions for her to come with not a word spoken on that Christmas Eve they began to dance again you see Madeline's dad did not look at Madeline and say where have you been where have you been why did you give yourself up it's been Christmas after Christmas after where were you his love came with no conditions because that was his baby girl that was his love that was his daughter and his daughter came back home and when his daughter came back home he said I'm going to welcome her with open arms and I want to tell you something there is no greater picture than what Jesus did for us on the cross than when he opened his arms and he stretched them and he hung on a tree naked for you and for me because he loves you that deep it's deep love it's deep it's deep love for God so loved the world he loved us so unconditionally. And I know some of you don't understand that kind of love. I know some of you have 
been hurt so bad in your life. And it's hard for you to picture this intimate love. And you've been running. Jesus is saying, will you come back home? Will you come back home? When God so loved the world, He was dissatisfied that sin separated us. Remember what I showed you? In Genesis chapter 3, sin separated us. It took us away. It separated us from God. And God said, it, it hurts me too bad to know that one day the people that I created will spend an eternity in a real place called hell. But he said, I'm not going to make them love me. I'm not going to make them follow me. But I'm going to give them a gift and let them choose to follow me. For God so loved the world that he gave he gave his only son, the only one he had. That son's name was Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes, I love the word whoever in scripture, y'all. Every time I see whoever, I circle it. You know why? I'll give you a theological truth right here that you need to remember the rest of your life. Whoever means whoever. There you go. Put that on Twitter right? Whoever means whoever. I had a young lady one time, I was, I was speaking to all the sororities in all the fraternities at the University of Arkansas who came to a particular event. It was an Easter service that one of the fraternity houses, the Phi Delta Thetas, were putting on. They invited me to come be a preacher at it, and they had invited all the sororities and all the fraternities, and about several hundred showed up at this, at this, at this uh, schoolroom you know, on Hillside at the University of Arkansas. I get done preaching and we'd watch many come to know Christ. And this young lady came forward and she met my wife who was sitting right by where we were. And she comes forward and, and she, my wife brings her to me and she said, Pastor Brian, does whoever really mean whoever? I said, whoever means whoever. She said, but Pastor Brian, I, I, I just need you to know, like, I don't know if whoever means me. Like, I've messed up pretty bad. It would be tough to find a young man at this university I haven't been with. I've had multiple abortions. My life is messed up. And I'm empty. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an embarrassment to the Lord. Does whoever mean me? <laughs> and I said, whoever means you. Jesus came just for you. But it's your choice to follow him back. He can't make you follow him. But his love for you is unconditional. He's going to show you unconditional love. I said, because he so deeply changed me, I'm going to show you unconditional love. This is a no judgment zone. You're not going to be judged here. You're going to be received here. Why? Because you came knocking on the door and Jesus says, come on in. You're welcome. But you got to come. That is the story of the gospel. See, there's many of you all in this room. Hundreds of you came last night. 
and you made the choice to say yes to Jesus. But there's many others here. You are the whoever. You are the ones in the crowd tonight. That it's just, it's just time to respond, y'all. It's just, it's just time to stop playing games with the way the culture's pulling you away. And it's time to go knock on the door and say, Jesus, I'm coming. You died for me. It says, whoever believes in him, whoever believes, whoever confesses with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, whoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I just want to ask you tonight, Falls Creek, do you know that you have a relationship with Jesus? Not religion, not going to church, not just being here in a service, but have you said yes to the gift? You are the reason Jesus died, <laughs> but you're also the reason he conquered death. There's no other God. You say, why would I choose Christianity? Why not any other religion? Go study it because every other religion, you can find their prophets' bones or their ashes buried. But my God, <laughs> my God, Jesus rose from the grave. He came out of the grave. And his bones can't be found. That's why. I'm going to follow the one that can conquer death. Amen. That's Jesus. But it's your choice. And some of you were scared to make the choice. And some of you have been wrestling with this choice. And I, I just want to throw it out to you tonight. Add to your life the gospel so that you can add to your faith love. But you've got to start with the gospel. And so in just a moment, we're going to do like we did last night just a moment I'm going to pray when I'm done praying we're all going to stand when we all stand you that God is working on your heart that God's moving in your life I just want you to come stand right up here with me and say tonight I'm going to choose to say yes to Jesus today is the day of God's favor today is the day of salvation this is my moment and I'm going to say yes to the gift that God Almighty offered me through Jesus. And I'm going to start my process of sanctification. So you can't work your way to heaven. It starts by surrendering your life over to Jesus. And that's now. That's now in this service. So I want to offer that to you in just a moment. When we stand, I just want you to leave your seat. you got to have a friend with you. You don't have to bring ten friends. If you got to have a friend with you, just grab that friend's hand and say, we going. Come on, girl. Right? Come on, dude. You might, you might want to put your hand around his neck, right? You might feel weird grabbing his hand. You might put your hand, like, come on, bro. You're going with me. And y'all just come. Why? It's that big of a deal. It's that big of a deal. So tonight, would you surrender your life over to Jesus? Jesus, tonight I pray. God, you're moving in this room. You're working in students' hearts and adults' hearts and college students' hearts. Jesus, you're, you're doing something in this room. So, Lord, would you give the confidence 
to each and every individual in the seat in this room. Give them the confidence to stand to their feet, to walk to the front, to come up here and say, tonight, I'm going to surrender my life over to Jesus. Would you give them the confidence, Jesus, to do that very thing? It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening.